You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 159. It is me, uh, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I'm not sure what day it is. It's towards the end of May of 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Lots to talk about this week. Well, actually, probably not a lot to talk about. There is a giant story that will take up the majority of our time, and then we'll talk about Raw, SmackDown, I'm watching New Japan, Liam's watching New Japan. Lots to get, lots of uh, smaller stuff to get into, but the dominant news story of the week, obviously the, the news that reported uh, by The Hollywood Reporter and Variety that SmackDown signed a five-year deal with Fox that begins in the fall of 2019 worth $1 billion to air SmackDown. SmackDown, the B show is going to be on the Fox network at a price tag of over $200 million a year. I'm just dumbfounded. Yeah. I'm just dumbfounded. I need, I need Ari Emanuel who negotiated this deal for WWE. I need him to negotiate my next raise. Yeah, he should. Uh, he sh- I hope he's, well compensated. Um, yeah, Fox, uh, for what the story was, is Fox is very focused on live programming, live audience programming, uh, as they see that stuff as, I guess, more DVR proof. And so they're really interested in a WWE show. And so they paid that much money for, as you mentioned, the B show, which is uh it's staggering and we talked about it a little bit last week um actually not a little bit a lot last week of these sort of ridiculous obscene amounts of money being thrown wwe's way to because they can produce live content that will gain you know somewhere in the two to three million viewers range and that's valuable to people right now and yeah, it's it kind of. I think it left everyone dumbfounded that uh, you know everyone thought that that the Raw USA number was was going to be pretty pretty tremendous. And yeah, here comes Fox uh, blowing everybody out of the water. So we won't have final. Uh, WWE has not confirmed this publicly, but they went on Raw this week, and there were tongue in cheek references to the stock price. And they, I think they took this SmackDown deal and uh, word in the Wrestling Observer last week was that it looks like uh, NBC Universal is keeping Raw for somewhere around $240 million a year. So more than $440 million a year on average combined for their domestic TV rights. A number of it they're getting about, what, $164 this year? Um, so they're going to suddenly have an extra $280 million every year to play with. But WWE took this as just validation. (laughs) That was my takeaway from Raw this week, was that they took this as huge validation that everything they're doing is right. And they threw a ton of Roman Reigns at us on Raw. They threw a ton of Stephanie McMahon. They threw a ton of Stephanie McMahon belittling talent at us. This was their, that was the, Monday Night Raw felt like uh, WWE's victory lap to me. And it really kind of left me with a sour taste in my mouth. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
you're not wrong. Um, in the in the sense that it's felt uh, insulting a little bit. I watched about half the show, if we're being honest here. Um, the and I mean, some of it was more broadly insulting, as you pointed out, of stuff that people have been raging against for years, like Stephanie McMahon or Roman Reigns, or just sort of just broadly stupid stuff like the Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley stuff, which I correctly predicted would be the worst segment on television all year. And boy, if that gets beat, then this is going to be a really bad year. Um, but yeah, we're only, yeah, we're only five months in. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, and you and I talked about this a little bit before there for at least the next three to five years, they get to be as smug as they want, right? I mean, their their audience is still getting older. Their viewership is still declining. Their attendance is still declining. But at least for the next... This is still a bubble. And now the bubble is a lot bigger than it was. But it's still a bubble. And bubbles do generally pop one day. But yes, for the foreseeable future, they kind of get to be as smug as they want to be, right? Exactly. And s- sports rights fees... and calling this sport is kind of silly because it also struck me watching Raw on Monday as I watched um, Braun Strowman wrestle and beat Finn Balor for no good reason. Uh, It struck me that this is not a sport. This is just a television show. And if this were presented in a more uh, sport-like way, I feel like I would feel less insulted and I would be a little more invested in... I'm just numb to them booking stuff that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Braun Strowman could beat anybody. He doesn't have to beat like number three babyface, or I don't even know where Bauer is on the the pecking order at this point. But uh, to your point, yeah, they for the next four years at least they can do whatever they want. And you talk about bubbles bursting. Everybody's been predicting the sports the sports rights fees uh, bubble will burst forever. And it hasn't yet. Um, I'm not sure that it will. I mean, as long as, um, I guess, Comcast's, uh, I guess they're owned by MDC Universal, but, are, you know, as long as the people lobbying to keep uh, the cable industry uh, in business and somewhat protected, those things are propping up professional sports leagues and these huge rights fees. And and as long as cable is strong, I don't think the bubble bursts. Do you? You're <laughs> I, no, you're probably right. I mean I don't know that I mean again we said the same thing. It's it's tough because everything every every bit of analysis everybody had on this, including us, including people that are knowledgeable about television said, hey, their audience is getting older, they're losing their audience, although Raw has Raw and SmackDown have kind of leveled out. They're not losing audience the way they were for the first few years. Raw was three hours. But everyone said, well, they're losing their audience. The audience is getting older every year. You know, A network's going to look at that and say, hey, yeah, we'll still pay you money, but we're going to offer you less because you're not giving us what you used to give us. But that didn't happen because what WWE can produce as far as total viewers, especially for USA Network, uh, is still, you know, 
10 times, or maybe not 10 times, but I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, obviously, but it's still gigantic compared to anything else on that network. So as long as USA or Fox or whoever doesn't find another live show that can produce the type of ratings or the type of viewership that Raw does for less money, WWE, again, at least for the next five years, possibly for our entire lifetimes, may never have (laughs) to really worry. (laughs) Now, I will say, just because funny, that does not mean that it is exempt from criticism. Okay? Suicide Squad made a lot of money. The Transformers movies make a lot of money. That doesn't mean they're good, and it doesn't mean that people are wrong to criticize them. So the idea, so using that as a catch-all, it doesn't matter because they're making money. I don't think that's them being, if they are bad, it is still good for fans of that product to call them out for being bad. I think that's beyond fair. The the thing that, I mean, they will have an extra $280 million to play with every year. And I don't know what the breakdown of their, you know, what live attendance revenue is. Think how much more swerved they can produce. Seriously. But if they wanted to, they could take this thing into a TV studio. They don't need, they don't need, I mean, they could do it live. I mean, I guess the whole idea is, is, you know, having it live in front of a live crowd, but they don't need a live crowd anymore. They can go shoot this thing in a studio if they want. <laughs> like, and the, the television audience it's slowly eroding, as you've pointed out. It's slowly getting older. But it's a ridiculously loyal TV audience. The 3 million people or whatever that watch this show in the United States every week. It's, it's, that's the baseline. <laughs> Those 3 million people would probably watch if it were just produced in a television studio or on a soundstage somewhere. Like The, the people don't matter anymore this is (laughs) i'm not sure i'm beginning to think as i reach my uh i've turned 34 this year i'm beginning to think that capitalism is a huge mistake (laughs) oh okay (laughs) just Uh, just now realizing that (laughs) i am and maybe it's just i don't know because of uh current political policies in our country or or something that where there's less government regulation over <laughs> over industries but the globalization of our con- our economy and these just giant monoliths that all want to sell you everything like i don't amazon wants me to return to my prime home for my prime meal and amazon and google want to sell me cars and clothes and it's like uh, WWE won the pro- won the pro wrestling battle, and now they're the only they're the only choice. They're the only major league choice in the United States, and they no longer need the people. So, I I don't know how to make so that sure. <laughs> I'll make that sound not depressing. Well, one th- two things: capitalism as a as an economic policy breeds inequality. That's what it's supposed to do. Uh, it's it's not a it is an amoral thing that is used by people that are governed by their own sense of morals. <laughs> That's and so it can be used as a tool to destroy economies as much as it can be used to build economies. That's what any economic system can be. 
Let me just say that real quick. Second of all, um, basically what it sounds like you're saying is short of like, speaking of uh, uh, really, really obscenely rich people, short of Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or somebody deciding to start their own wrestling company, uh, this is it as far as Major League Wrestling goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sinclair, look, I mean, they're, you know, they're a giant media conglomerate too. And they have their own wrestling company and they run it like a nickel and dime pony show. I mean, they, they, he, yeah, they had to be begged for years before they improved, you know, before they bought a halfway decent lighting rig for those shows, you know, <laughs> and they're producing 52 weeks of television a year. Um, they do it differently, but, and they didn't even have decent lighting for like the first five years that show was on the air. Like <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's look. This is this is horribly depressing. Like I said, if there's a silver lining here, in the same way that it's okay to still criticize Disney or Warner Brothers or Amazon, just because WWE is making money, it does not mean they are exempt from critical from from critics. And it also, on the other side, if you want to look at, take an optimistic look of it, making money and critical success are not mutually exclusive things when it comes to entertainment. You know, these, these Marvel movies that come out that have giant bloated budgets are very generally pretty well received critically. So it's not impossible that the shows could be good and WWE could also be making obscene amounts of money every year. But it may not be likely because unlike, you know, Disney or Marvel or whoever, they still have other movies that they compete with. You know, they still have other movie studios to compete with them and compete for box office dollars, whereas WWE currently does not. You know, I know there are ups and downs in this business, but considering the talent that they have, why has Raw not been good in like six years, and why has SmackDown not been good for a year and a half? It's the people putting the show together. <laughs> well, I'm sure, they th I'm sure they think it's good, I'm sure they think it's a very good show. Now, they, now they're empowered. Well, now they feel empowered. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I'm so Look. negative on this. And I didn't intend to be. Okay, like, I don't wanna... I'm, I'm happy for everyone in that company. Even if just a, a chunk of that extra money every year t trickles down to the talent. I'm going to be over the moon for the talent. I'm remains to be seen how much of that trickles down to the talent. But... <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't. I had no intentions of being this negative about it, and I just started. You know, we started fleshing out the discussion here and talking about, you know, the realities of it. And it's like, what is there to be positive about? <laughs> if the you like, shows are going to be what they are. You're going to get some good wrestling, a few good storylines every year, and you'll NXT will still be NXT, and you basically, as a fan need to decide if it's worth sifting through the Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley segment, the Finn Balor's getting squashed by Braun Strowman's, and all of that kind of stuff. Is it worth sifting through those, uh, you know, through all of the dirt to get to those few nuggets of gold? That's basically what you need to decide if you are going to be a weekly viewer of WWE television. Well, that was far more negative than I tended to be. I apologize. That's uh, 
<laughs> what did you think of television this week? I know you said you only watched a little bit of Raw. How was SmackDown? Uh, SmackDown was an okay show. Uh, they, they did Lana and Billy Kay, which oh. was in about 15 seconds. All right. And it was it was like a 2016 Divas match, and complete <laughs> with a botched X Factor as the finish. Oh, my Lord. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Lana apparently, Lana is a Lana is a baby face with Aiden English and Rusev. They're going to be a trio, and um, yeah, and then and then Daniel Bryan beat Jeff Hardy in the main event. Which, man, can you imagine if they had that match in like two thousand nine? How great that would have been! <laughs> yeah, it would have been awesome. Yeah, speaking of matches that would have been great in two thousand nine, now Daniel Bryan's wrestling Samoa Joe next week. <laughs> so, uh, now that one that one might still be very good. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was an all right television show. Nothing nothing wrong with it. Easy to watch. SmackDown, I think, since they certainly got the better end of the Superstar Shakeup this year, uh, there was no big cast on the show tonight. There was no there was there's no Jinder Mahal on the show anymore. <laughs> yeah. No Baron Corbin on on the show anymore. Jinder's in the main event program on Raw because sure. they have large contempt for their audience. Yeah, and they're allowed to now. Yeah, forever. They've been but, validated. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, SmackDown's okay. All right. Well, here's the thing, though: with you get they're giving us all these dream matches on TV anymore, and you don't have to build the pay per views anymore, so it doesn't matter. But the creative before and after, the, there is no creative leading to these dream matches of like Styles Nakamura and. Brian and Styles and Brian and Joe or whatever. There is no creative that leads to it. And then the creative coming out of it is always disappointing. So, you know, they could pay lip service to giving the dream matches, but uh, uh, I don't care for the creative coming out of it. It's just lazy. It feels like lazy creative to me. And the open challenge thing is just on Raw with Rollins. It's just it's the, it's the laziest thing you can do. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things you don't you don't really want to look gift horse in the mouth with that. I think because it's generally very good because Seth Rollins is on fire right now in ring, and uh, so at least it's something good. You know, it's slightly better than the other three twenty minute matches on Raw you get every week. But yeah, you're right. It's it's a bit lazy to just write on a format or a script. Seth wrestle good for 25 men <laughs> and then, you know, pencil in whoever he's facing. That's, that's not- fair. Yeah, that's fair. Big cast, not on TV this week, selling a knee injury that is apparently not legitimate, but he was selling it at the end of their European tour. They were in Europe for like two and a half weeks. Oh, these poor people. This travel schedule is unionized. <laughs> I know it's too late. I know it's thirty years too late. But God, they should they shouldn't unionize. I was having this discussion with someone this week, and I think maybe they could still. The problem is that they would that management treats the top people well enough that they would not they would not strike or or they would not go along with it, and yeah. so. And you can, you know, I don't think that the entire undercard is replaceable, but I think they could operate that way if they wanted to. 
and got a lot of people in NXT that aren't doing much. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I yeah, I think it's too late. Hogan Hogan had the power, and uh, he tried, and, and Hogan ratted him out. So, yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so on the other side of the coin, can we can we find something positive to talk about this week? Hey, the best of the Super Juniors is going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's hey, their, it's their cruiserweight tournament, and it's flipping fantastic. And I didn't mean that. Uh, I wasn't trying to go for a pun there, but it is. That's, it works. It is flipping fantastic. Um, there have been four nights. I have seen nights uh, one, two, and three. I have not seen night four yet. What? And I know you've been watching. Uh, maybe we can talk about our favorite matches so far. I don't think there's anything that I've seen that has been bad at all. I think it's just varying shades of good. What do you think of uh, the best of the Super Juniors to this point? Yeah, um, I'm glad. I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk about this. Um, as we mentioned, it's it's a happier, and really good. And if you're, as you mentioned, if you mentioned with Finn Balor, it doesn't feel like a sport. Uh, generally, even when we do these really athletic, super crazy cruiserweight matches, still feels like two athletes trying to win matches and like what they're fighting for is important. So yeah, my my, uh, my bar is probably uh, ACH and Will Ospreay from I think night three. Okay. Um, just tremendous. ACH had a really good showing for himself as a guy who's not really established in New Japan at all. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy that's always been, it's always just missing something. I think maybe he just needs to be in there with the right people. I don't think he's a guy that can carry something by himself, but he he can be really good. I mean, we've seen a lot of him over the years, and uh, yeah, I um I probably didn't like that Osprey match as much as you did, but Osprey's one of the. Th- three best workers in the business today. So it's like really nitpicking if you don't like, if you didn't like something. Uh, I, I would say my favorite of the tournament so far was Dragon Lee versus show. Um, oh, that was great. It was great. And I, um, I think a lot of people liked, uh, Takahashi and Marty Skrull on that show. It was on that night too. Um, better. And that was the main event of that show. Marty, I mean, but we're splitting hairs here. Like, I think they were both four star plus matches, and uh, Marty's incredible. Takahashi's one of the best 10 workers in the business. But I thought Dragon Lee and Sho just it tore the house down. Well, that, that to me is so interesting because Sho is, you know, he's one of the Rapongi 3K guys, junior heavyweight tag guy, doesn't really have any sort of track record as a singles guy. And Dragon Lee, obviously, is not a regular either. So it's theoretically, if you threw out two guys like this, the equivalent would be throwing out, I don't know, Grand Metalik and one of the Bollywood boys on Raw or something. <laughs> um, obviously, neither one of those are probably as, as great workers as those two guys are. Maybe Grand Metalik is. But anyway, but it's just theoretically two quote-unquote cold guys or unknown guys. And yeah, man, they... Everything they did was great, and the fans were into it. And again, because the tournament, winning the tournament has some meaning to these fans, they got they were into the near falls. And to see this sort of underdog tag guy take it to a more established singles wrestler, even one that isn't super well-known, uh, 
it was it was great fun. Um, you mentioned uh, the main event or the main event of that show, the Skrull and, and Takahashi match. Marty Skrull is a guy. Uh, we talked about this a little on Twitter this week, but Marty Skrull is not a guy whose name gets brought up like best workers in the, in the company or in the world talk. Like I never hear it anyway. Mm. But damn, if that guy is not the perfect base for these spectacular flyers like Osprey, like Kushida, and like Takahashi. Yeah, I was. We were, mentioned we were going back and forth about this a little bit. When you think of a base, you think of, I don't know, a, a big lunk like Mark Henry or Kane who can't do a damn thing. <laughs> I, uh, Mark Henry somehow got, got good like when he was 40, but. <laughs> They used to throw like you. They th- used to throw Henry and Kane in the Money in the Bank matches just so you, they could stand there, and the smaller guys could literally bounce off of them. Um, that's so. I I have always tended to think of big, immobile guys as being good bases for flyers, but Marty is not a big guy, and and moves well, and is a good athlete, and can more than hold up his end of the bargain. But he is the perfect base. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I've never quite seen. I've never quite seen a guy like that before. And um, his psychology is good, and he doesn't overdo his most over spot, which is obviously the finger break deal. Yeah. Um, the the crowd is crowds into him in Japan. The crowds into him uh, in the U.S. He's a UK guy. I don't watch UK wrestling, so I don't know if they're into him <laughs> to the same level, but I would imagine they are. <laughs> the guy's over. Every, he's over everywhere. He's great. Yeah, and he's, he's a guy that, to me, at size is obviously always going to be an issue, but uh, not, not so much in Japan or in Ring of Honor. He's got a great entrance. He can talk a little bit. He obviously does a lot of comedy on the Young Bucks show and all that, but yeah, I was just really taken aback. It reminded me of uh, the ROH 15th anniversary show a couple of years ago. He and Leo Rush had a match on that show. And Leo Rush has kind of found himself in purgatory in NXT. But, uh, you know, super great high flyer. And a match with him. And it, it took me back to that when I was watching Marty in this tournament here. Is, yeah, that dude really is not getting the credit he deserves or the mentions he deserves as far as as a worker. An interesting, well, to me, there are two kind of very interesting choices to take place or to take part in this tournament. One is Tiger Mask, who I've seen, I've been very underwhelmed by in his tag outings. And maybe that's not fair when you're working, you know, the opening match or the second match on a long New Japan pay-per-view show and you're given six minutes and everybody gets to do one spot. And that's kind of what I've been judging Tiger Mask off of. But then I saw, I mean, he went in there with uh, Yo, uh, one of these tournament shows, and he didn't give Yo a damn thing, but he looked good. <laughs> um, but I thought, <laughs> I thought at 47 or whatever, I thought that, you know, and it's early in the tournament, let's, Let's check in, you know, in two weeks when he's had, you know, 10 singles matches in 14 days or whatever, and we'll see how he's doing. But um, I was, I've been pleasantly surprised by Tiger Mask to this point. But another guy that stands out uh, is Chris Sabin. It just struck me as kind of an odd choice for this tournament at this stage in the game. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on Sabin? 
Uh, I really enjoyed the match he had with Kushida. Um, you can tell if you watch that match, like obviously Kushida is not going normally goes, but I didn't think that was to the detriment of the match. Uh, I think I thought they worked, which I think is what good and or great workers can do, which is if you can go really fast, but the other guy can't, then it's on you to slow down and make whatever his pace is, you know, work for the match. And I thought they did a really good job of working it. There's you know good striking, some submissions, and uh, I I really enjoyed watching Saban and Kushida work. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I thought it was good. I, it, if you don't watch Kushida all the time, you would just thought, oh wow, what a great match. But Kushida, again, arguably one of the ten best guys in the business, and you see him go in there with Saban, and it's like, whoa, he is moving in slow motion, <laughs> so Saban can keep up. Saban's never been the same since he tore both of his knees up. I think an impact. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago. Maybe it was yeah. on the Ring of Honor comeback. I don't remember, but um, never quite the same guy. I think he tore he one up in, in TNA and then tore the other one in uh, on Ring of Honor, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's, that's good stuff so far. And uh, watching a bunch of it this week. And something else I may get to this week, I get Showtime screeners, and I have a copy of the Morrow documentary that airs on Friday. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get a chance to see that uh, before, <laughs> well, before it airs, so I can brag about seeing it before it airs. But uh, so maybe I can write up a little review of that or or something like that. I'm just the the trailer for that thing was bonkers. And uh, I can't, uh, you know, kudos to tomorrow for putting that. I think there's less of a stigma to talking about mental health now than there has been at any point in our society. But it's still uh, not, uh, it still takes a lot of courage to uh, allow cameras to document like, you know, a, uh, a bipolar episode like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, no matter, it seems no matter how far we come as a society can, it can still be embarrassing or, or tough to just admit, hey, I need help or I need or I'm having a problem. I'm really struggling with something. So, yeah, definitely kudos for him for letting <laughs> that's a whole level of intimacy uh, of letting a camera crew document your your daily and weekly life. And it has footage of him, you know, calling the, the Mayweather McGregor fight has footage of him in NXT and uh, I'm sure they're they're going to get into all of his ups and downs with WWE as as well as you know his whole life in in the pro wrestling business. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm anxious to take a look at that as well. So hopefully we both get to see that relatively soon. All right, uh, no boss time this week as there was no boss on Raw because uh, they have contempt not only for their audience but they seem at times to have contempt for myself and you, Liam. Uh, specifically. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, boss, boss does get a second chance to qualify for Money in the Bank on Monday, though. In a gauntlet match, and uh, the last gauntlet and match. Speaking of lazy rating, <laughs> yeah, last gauntlet match, uh, women's gauntlet match on Raw, she won, uh, and was actually a pretty good match. So I heard. I never got to see it, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't even remember what you're talking about. <laughs> 
she had to win a gauntlet match for some reason. I don't remember why. It was it was for a title shot, I think, maybe at Alexa or something last year. But Not sure, who cares? I I I care desperately. Is there anything <laughs> else that you, is there anything else that you want to get into this week or should we wrap up? We were so close. We were so close <laughs> to ending on a happy note. When I had to <laughs> I had to get in there and tinker. Hey, we we talk a lot about a good about a lot of good wrestling, and uh, it's just happening. It's all happening in Japan uh, for nine hundred ninety nine yen. Yeah, that's uh, there are alternatives out there. There's never been there's as you mentioned with things like British wrestling or you know Evolve, all this stuff. There's too much good wrestling out there. So if you're a little upset with WWE or you're just kind of a little depressed like we somehow ended up on this show this week <laughs> uh you can find but you still love wrestling and obviously we do we wouldn't be doing the show if we didn't there's there's options out there you can find you can still find good stuff different stuff funny stuff exciting stuff serious stuff uh, old, old stuff mll's anniversary show coming up old stuff i'm all watching kinds of great I'm watching 19. I'm part of the problem because I'm I subscribe to the network, but I'm watch, I'm going through like 1990 to 1992 WCW, and I'm loving it. Nice. See, there's something out there for you. So take heart, dear wrestling fan and dear listener. There's it's not all. There's a silver lining behind every cloud. That's right. You gotta keep on keeping on. All right. Till next time. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back very soon with more happy stories from the wrestling life. Only love, HH. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. And that's kind of the, I don't know, it's going to be my point that I'm going to hit people in the head with. Is none of this matters anymore. It's just a TV show. <laughs> that's that's uh, depressed. I, I, I got a good Jay Leno. Can you find a way to not What's that? make that so depressing? Can you find a way <laughs> to not make it so depressing? 
I don't know, man. <laughs> it's been a long day living in her seat, and there's a freeway running through the yard. Um, <laughs> I got a good Jay Leno's garage rant if you want to hear it. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, left C- CNBC on the other night because I only thing I watch religiously other than uh, <clears throat> live PD and I guess wrestling is uh, Shark Tank reruns on CNBC. Uh, mm-hmm. So I left TV on at, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning or something. Uh, Jay Leno's garage reruns come on. Mm-hmm. And I learned that Jay, who has never had an original idea in his life, <laughs> has just ripped off comedians in cars getting coffee as the new format for this n- new season of Jay Leno's garage. Like it used to be like Jay test driving cars and Jay tinkering, (laughs) tinkering on cars. And now it's like Jay and Jeff Foxworthy go for a spin or Jay and Bill Goldberg go for a spin or Jay. And usually old guy, it's usually old uh, comedians that you would expect like Jeff Foxworthy, Billy Crystal trying to think of other people from that generation. Um, but yeah, he's just completely ripped Seinfeld off now. <laughs> my my great regret, though, was that at the end of his uh, talk show, uh, Letterman let Jay have the last laugh in that he asked him to come on the show. And that is the first time in, you know, 40 years, Jay has had any kind of power over Dave. <laughs> and, yeah. And Jay refused to get on the show. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a little sad. And like, like Dave said nice things about Jay on Jay's second last tonight show. <laughs> he did. Well, he didn't go on Jay's show, but he like on on Dave's show said like congrats for huh. however many years you've been on the air and everything. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. I think maybe because I actually watched Jay that night, but <laughs> huh. I'm sure his third last tonight show will be even better, though. <laughs> it's a matter of time, baby. <laughs> Every time Jimmy brings him back to do that monologue, I'm like, "Dick Ebersol, somebody's still gonna, somebody's still got a word with those old white NBC execs. Somebody's gonna pitch Jay coming back to 11:30." Yep. Mm. All right. Sorry, I've wasted enough of your valuable time. Let's talk about this crap. Why does that idiot want to open another restaurant? <laughs> like, <laughs> like other than, I wasn't aware of that. He's opening another restaurant. Oh, because he's like he must that hate money. He must hate money. Like he must have to burn some of it or something for tax reasons or something. Like the number number one and number two ways celebrities burn through their money. Number one is you buy too many houses and you don't realize that just maintaining all of those houses costs a lot of money every year. And number two is getting into a restaurant business. Like most restaurants fail. <laughs> yeah. They're not, I don't know. It's, he's it's a just, poor he's investment. Got, it absolutely. Like, I don't know why you're telling me. Like I'm not, I'm not, the one. <laughs> I'm not buying a restaurant. Why did, you let, why did you let Hulk Hogan open another restaurant? <laughs> 
This is your fault. You did this. I was thinking. <laughs> I watched that Craig Ferguson interview with Meghan Markle today, and I'm like, none of this could fly in 2018. Yeah. And, and none of this will ever happen again because no one will have the uh, testicular fortitude to um, to do that kind of an interview ever again. Yeah, no, he he got out at a good time, I think. <laughs> true, I mean, he has his, his radio show now, but I mm-hmm. feel like you're safe on radio. Yeah, particularly on on satellite satellite like that. Like, uh, look, they they keep writing checks. I I'm they must they must do quite well. <laughs> but I guess I, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know. Good for them. All right. <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on.